You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. As you all know, I am your host, Isaac Watson. And as I always like to do, thank you so much for your support. Those of you who have been downloading, listening, sharing, creating conversation around these episodes, around this podcast, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, With that being said, with that in mind, do me a favor, go ahead and pause whatever it is that you're doing. If you can, go ahead and pause. And I want you to take a moment just to rate Church Talk with Isaac. And if you can, leave a review. So go ahead and do that now. If you have to pause it, uh, this episode now so you can do that and then continue, go ahead and pause it. Listen, you know you've been listening. You know you've been sharing it. You know you have been enjoying this um, and uh, rating it actually helps this podcast to become more visible. So you are actually helping um, this platform and you're helping more people become aware of this particular uh, podcast and uh, the type of um, information, material, teachings that comes from this podcast. So go ahead and take a moment and do that. And I'll give you a moment to do that. And uh, so if you have to pause it, go ahead and pause. All right. So the next thing I want to do is jump into this topic. I want to jump right into this conversation. And uh, this is one of those types of conversations that have been becoming popular, uh, particularly this year, because of all of the things that's been transpiring. You all know we're in we're in 2020 and it doesn't matter where you're listening from. It doesn't matter what nation, what part of the earth you're listening from. All of us are aware of what's going on with this pandemic, uh, with 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 the coronavirus, with COVID-19. If you're living here in the States, you all know what's going on with the with the social tension, um, uh, with the racial tension that's going on and uh, so many other things that are going on around the world. And uh, one of the things that that um, that is an echoed. Uh, conversation and echo theme. As a matter of fact, uh, I was looking at something earlier today on TV and uh, on the news. And one of the headlines is, are we living in the last days? Uh, So I want to take a moment and I want to talk about the last days. And I want to I want to prep you with this question. Are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days um, as uh, the last days which are spoken of in the Bible where it talks about how various things will happen? We all know Matthew 24 in the last days, we know that there'll be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and and all types of things that begins to happen. Um, So I want to I want to talk about this for a second, because I believe that the end times, the last days uh, is a conversation um, where recently there's been a lot of difference of opinions regarding it. So let's talk about it. All right. And um, I, so so we're going to take a moment. And um, this is what theologians call the topic of eschatology. So if, if you've never heard that word, eschatology is the word that describes the last days. It comes from the Greek word eschaton, which means last, last things, last days, consummation, final. So um, when, when anytime you're dealing with the ology of anything, now I'm not, now I'm gonna, I'm going to let you know right up front. This episode, y'all gonna get some university type level uh, information. Okay, so 
Um, when we're dealing with any type of ology, you're dealing with the study of and uh, anything that's before that, you know, we're dealing with the subject matter. So theology, theo comes from theos, which is the Greek word for God. So theology is the study of God. Um, you have sociology uh, or, 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 or soteriology, which is the study of salvation. You have um, what other ology do we have? We have um, angelology or demonology, um, which is, of course, the study of demons, the study of the demonic. Here, what we're going to deal with today is eschatology. Eschatology, again, is the study of last things, study of the last days or the study of the end times. Now, Okay, y'all, I want to I just want to kind of jump right into this because I'm going to give you a lot of information and I want you to kind of take it down. All right. There are very there are various views of the last days. And quite frankly, quite honestly, here in America, in the United States, for the most part, we have only really the majority of the church, the majority of Christians have really only been exposed to one view. We've only been exposed to one view, and that view typically is a dispensational view of eschatology of, of the last days. It is a view. And now, now let me just kind of kind of go into this. Uh, uh, it is a view that says that um, Jesus is still to come. The rapture is still to come. The tribulation is 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 in the future that the majority of what we look at as far as um end time prophecy is still to be manifested um that's one view there are actually i know some of you may not know maybe most of you may not know but there are actually four different views of the end times four different primary views of eschatology and some people add a fifth view which i'm not going to talk too much about um, but the four views are um, are historicism, idealism, preterism and futurism. Let me say it again. Historicism, idealism, preterism and futurism. All right. Some people add a fifth view which is a view that is called uh, eclecticism, eclecticism, which I'm not going to dive too much into because really eclecticism is just taking the good out of those other four views that I just named and kind of just merging them all together to come up with an alternative view. So we're not going to deal with that. Let's walk through each view briefly and then we're going to dive further into what um the more dominant views are out of these four. All right. The first view I want to talk about is historicism. Again, historicism is a view of the last days. Now, some of you, you want to learn about the last days. Maybe you have been uh, scared or you've been afraid to study it. Some people are actually afraid of the book of Revelation and they've been taught. I've heard teachings that have said, don't look at the book of Revelation uh, or if you're a babe in Christ, you don't want to study the book of Revelation because it's too complex. Uh, it's full of mysteries. Um, almost gives an impression as if only the strong and those who 
understand the meat of the word of God can under can read the book of Revelation. Everybody else, you got to wait until you've matured before you open up the book of Revelation. Now, listen, I want to demystify that. I don't believe I don't believe that's true. I believe that the entire Bible, the entire uh, Bible should be able to be examined, should be able to be explored from Genesis to Revelation. And I and I honestly think that many of the people that are that are telling you don't look at it probably are telling you that because they themselves don't maybe understand it. Um, but if we have good teachers, if we have people who can walk you through and teach and, and help you to understand uh, the book of Revelation and other um, um, end time passages or uh, apocalyptic writings, which uh, which Revelation is, as well as the book of Daniel, apocalyptic meaning books that are written in symbols that are written very symbolically uh, and metaphorically and, and really not meant to be taken literally. Um, I think that we can um, explore those things and do it in a healthy way to where we understand God's plan. All right. Historicism. The historicist view is a view that is much different than the um, uh, the more dominant view, which is futurism. And we'll talk about that. But historicism is a view that actually looks at the book of Revelation and it looks at end time scriptures um, as a as a continuous historical perspective, as a as a continuous historical view. So let me give you an example of the historicist view. The historicist view pretty much looks at um, uh, if you look at the book of Revelation, the historicist view believes that you can you can actually read the book of Revelation uh, chronologically and um, you can see various aspects of prophecies being fulfilled throughout the span of of history so for example they will look at let's say the era uh the era of hitler and they can look at that particular period of time as a as a day of let's say the antichrist and they can say that he might have been a type of antichrist and you can see um the book of revelation being um uh being revealed and um and also being fulfilled in that day um a very popular uh, interpretation from a historicist view would actually be the identification of of Babylon in the book of Revelation chapter 17. And they actually look at the Roman Catholic Church uh, as who as as Babylon, as the unfolding of who Babylon is. So so the historicist view doesn't see um, the book of Revelation necessarily as an entirely future book, but they see the book of Revelation and other end time prophecies and last days prophecies. Um, they see it primarily as events that are unfolding throughout human history. All right. So that's the historicist view. To be quite honest, the historicist view is not a real popular view. It's a that view and the next one I'm going to go through, which is the idealist view, are probably the least explored, the least embraced uh, views uh, um, out of the four. All right. So the next I want to talk about is the idealist view. This is idealism. All right. Now, the idealist view is actually much different than the other three views that we're going to talk about. The idealist view doesn't approach end-time prophecy as something that should be taken literally. It doesn't take end-time prophecy as something that should be 
um, seen as real events that are transpiring throughout time or that will transpire throughout time. The idealist view of the end times or of eschatology is a view that sees end time events as spiritual or allegorical. So they have a they have an allegorical approach where they see um, the prophecies and the events unfolding as um, as symbolic events, meaning they are not meant to be taken literally. They are they are they are meant to be taken um, symbolically. There's a there's a reluctancy in identifying um, uh, any of the events in the Bible particularly pertaining to the last days, there's a reluctancy in seeing them as as relating to anything institutional, anything historical, or even relating it to anybody or or anyone um, physically. So it's it's meant to be taken exclusively uh, as an allegorical or as a symbolic or as a spiritual interpretation. All right. So let me give you an example. Some people would look at uh, let's talk about the beast again, the, the beast in the book of, of uh, Revelation. Some people uh, who have the idealist approach to the end times, they would look at the beast, not necessarily as a particular nation or even as a particular literal person. But they would see the beast as an allegory or as a representation of a type of system or a type of oppressive uh, um, system so they can look at it as something that may have occurred uh, maybe in the first century with the Roman Empire being an oppressive system over the Jewish culture or even today where you can look at certain um, uh, a, a governmental uh, structures and you can see them as oppressive systems and they can look and they can say this is represented by the beast in Revelation and it's not necessarily meant to be taken literal. All right. So that's when we're dealing with the idealist approach to the book of Revelation. All right. So, uh, again, it's meant to be taken um, very symbolically. Babylon could symbolize, as an example, a variety of biblical and religious things. All right. Throughout church and throughout church history. And uh, even as we see as as uh, as as church history unfolds. Um, we can see Babylon as a as a type of 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 religious structure. All right. And not necessarily something that's meant to be taken literally. All right. All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to go on to what I believe is probably the most well embraced uh, perspective, the most well embraced view of eschatology. And this view is futurism. All right. Now, this is what I'm doing, y'all. Um, some of y'all may be listening. You may be saying, why are you going through each view? And you're just not dealing with, are we living in the last days? Because actually, whether or not we're living in the last days would depend upon, um, whatever view, um, you believe in. And to be quite honest, when we're dealing with some subject matters, uh, such as eschatology, I probably should have said this in the beginning, but when we're dealing with subject matters like eschatology or that deals with the last days or end times, one of the things that we have to understand is that eschatology itself is not a salvation issue. And what I mean by that is you can have different views of eschatology and it doesn't make you any less saved or any more saved than the person that has a differing view from you. All right. Now, I do believe that there is a right view. I do believe that there are right perspectives. However, I don't believe that if your view is not my view, 
that I'm more saved than you, that 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 I have a, a crown that may be uh, bigger than yours, more expensive than yours in heaven. All right. It's not a salvation issue. Eschatology, however, affects the way that you see the world and how you see yourself in the world. All right. Now, let's move over to futurism. Futurism is um, the most dominant view in Western culture. And the futurist view is a view that pretty much says that um, either all or most of what the Bible or what Revelation prophesies about or even not even just the book of Revelation, anything that pertains to end time prophecies. And we see that throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see eschatology interwoven within the language um, of the Bible, period. So you'll see prophecies in Ezekiel. You'll see prophecies in Isaiah. You'll see prophecies in Jeremiah. You'll see prophecies uh, uh, in Genesis. You, I mean, you'll see prophecies throughout the entire Old Testament and, of course, throughout the New. All right. So what futurists believe is that if not all, most of biblical prophecy pertaining to the last days are yet to be fulfilled. All right. Now, one of the most one of the most common views of futurism is dispensationalism. Again, I told y'all, y'all going to get some university level type stuff. All right. So if you ain't in the learning uh, and, and hearing different views and perspectives I don't know, maybe go to another episode. But in this one, we're going we're gonna to deal with this because a lot of people want to know about the last days, but they don't really want to take the time to study it. All right. So dispensationalism is a view within futurism. And typically dispensationalism is what we believe. Now, those of you who are listening, particularly if you live within the United States of America, you have probably seen, heard of or have been frightened by a movie called Left Behind. You have probably seen, heard of or been frightened by a movie called Left Behind. Um, they have they have one that came out in the 90s that uh, Kirk Cameron was the main uh, um, star in it. Uh, they had one that came out some years ago with Nicolas Cage, I believe it was, who, who he was the main star in it. And Left Behind is pretty much a movie that displays the dispensational view of what it means to be in the last days. Now, in Left Behind, one minute people are there. The next minute, everybody's gone. They've been raptured up. All, only thing that's left, clothes. Uh, uh, vehicles were crashing, planes were falling out of the sky, all kinds of things were happening. It was catastrophic um, because the rapture had occurred. People were left behind. Other people were raptured up. And then after the ap after the rapture occurred, there came a man by the name of, I believe his name was Nikolai somebody, and he was the Antichrist coming to bring world peace, and he was stepping into political power uh, uh, in America. Ironically, he was stepping into political power and um, during this time, uh, um, um, there were there were literally wars that were breaking out and there were people were confused. They were discombobulated. They didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden somebody clicked on uh, a tape and there goes, I believe it was uh, John Hagee who was on the tape and he was saying, hey, if you're watching this tape, this means you were probably left behind and so forth and so on. So if you are familiar with that movie, that is pretty much the dispensational view in a nutshell. Um, listen, I've been at home as a kid and it was too quiet around the house. And I'm like, 
Did I miss the rapture? And I and and I go outside, look outside the window, and the sky looked a little too red, and there were no cars or nothing driving by, and I thought I missed. I thought I'm playing, praying and repenting, and you know, and I know some of y'all probably had those same experiences, but let me tell you, those experiences came from that movie. So dispensationalism is a teaching that believes that um, that 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 uh, that humanity is broken down into various dispensations. Now, dispensationism dispensationalism has different um, they have different theories of how these dispensations are broken down. But the primary one is that um, the world is broken down into seven dispensations. All right. So uh, with dispensationalism. I'm going to just go through these seven dispensations. The first one was the Edenic dispensation. And that was the time, of course, Adam and Eve in the garden. After that dispensation came the conscious dispensation. And this dispensation took place from the fall of mankind up until the flood of Noah. All right. The third dispensation was considered the Noahic dispensation or is also considered a called human government dispensation. And this is a dispensation that took place post the flood up into the Tower of Babel. All right. The fourth dispensation is called the promise dispensation or the dispensation of the Abrahamic covenant. This is a dispensation that takes place from the time of Abraham up until the time of Moses. Now, when the time of Moses comes, we enter into the fifth dispensation. This fifth dispensation is called the dispensation of the law or um, the dispensation of Moses. This dispensation is from the time of Moses up until the time of Calvary, up until the time of the cross uh, of Jesus Christ in the events of Calvary. All right. The sixth dispensation. And this is probably one of the, uh, probably the most dispensation, uh, excuse me, the most important dispensation, because this is a dispensation. This is a dispensation that is taught that we are currently in. And the sixth dispensation is the dispensation of grace or it's also known as the dispensation of the church age. Now, this dispensation uh, or, th or this time period, uh, it ranges from the time of the cross or the time of Calvary up until the time of the rapture. All right. So currently dispensationalism um, teaches that we are in this sixth dispensation. And when the time of the rapture comes, we will enter into a seventh dispensation, which is the dispensation of the millennial kingdom. All right. This is the dispensation where the thousand year reign of Christ occurs from Jerusalem, primarily where he he sets up his headquarters in Jerusalem. Um, this is a teaching where new, a new uh, temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. Uh, a third temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. And during this time of the thousand year reign, it, it, it will conclude with the final judgment upon the rebellious. All right. Now, after the church is raptured, dispensationalism also teaches that God's plan for the natural seed or the national or the natural uh, nation of Israel. The church is raptured. Israel then is uh, uh, is then restored. Uh, as the people of God, as the nation of God. And the church actually is not seen as God's eternal plan. The church is seen um, as almost like a parenthesis is, is what some scholars call it. The church is seen as a parenthesis in Israel's history. So in other words, Israel was the original people of God. Israel is who the promises of God were given to. Um, Israel rebelled. 
Israel did not want the promises of God. Israel rebelled against the laws of God. So um, what God did was he put a hold on the plan of Israel. He instituted the church as a way to provoke Israel back to obedience to God. So is so the church, according to dispensational thought, is only um, a means to a greater end, um, which is the restoration of the nation of Israel. So once the church is raptured, after the church does what she is intended to do in provoking Israel uh, to jealousy and Israel to return and being restored as a nation is uh, the church is now enjoying paradise and um, Israel is now enjoying the new heaven, the new earth. And Israel has been restored as the true people of God. Now, this is dispensationalism in a nutshell. I know I talked a lot, but actually. There's a lot more talking that can go into that. All right. So this is the dispensational view. This is the view that most of us are in. Now, even within dispensationalism or within futurism, there are various views. You have futurists that believe that um, that uh, 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 the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation. You have you have futurists and dispensations that believe that the church is going to be raptured in the middle of it or in the three and a half years. And then you have some that believe that the church is going to have to endure the tribulation and then they will be raptured after enduring the tribulation. Um, you also have, I mean, so you have, you have, you have many different views within um, futurism uh, and the majority of Americans uh, and practically most of the nations have embraced the futurist paradigm, the futurist perspective of eschatology. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to try to sum this up in five minutes because what I want to do is I want to talk about the last view, which is the preterist view, the preterist view or the past view. Uh, the word preterist comes from a, from a Latin word that means past. All right. So the preterist view is actually a view that's become more popular probably within the past 30 years or so. I want to say that um, the preterist view uh, has become a, a, a more about 30, 40 years. The preterist view has become more popular. All right. The preterist view is a view that believes that all things pertaining to the last days, all things pertaining to the end of the world is actually not the end of the world. Futurists, futurists believe that um, the consummation of the ages or the end of the world will be a global um, rapture. It will be a global destruction of the planet as we know it with fire and a reconstruction of the entire planet and the world as as we know it is coming to an end. That is what futurists believe. That is what actually historicists, um, excuse me, idealists actually believe, even though they're allegorical, their view actually believes that the only thing that may be literal is the second coming of Christ. All right. And and uh, so the uh, the preterist view, however, the preterist view does not believe um, that the events of the end times are in the future. The preterist view believes that all things pertaining to the last days are in the past. Now you have partial preterists and full preterists. I'm going to deal with the full preterist view. Partial preterists believe that most are in the past, but there are a couple things that still are yet to be fulfilled, including the millennial reign, including the resurrection, including the new heaven, new earth, the second coming of Christ. Um, those things primarily. All right. Full preterists believe that all of those things have been um, accomplished, have been fulfilled. Um, preterist takes a time relevancy very, very literal. So a preterist would look at Revelation chapter one, verse one, 
that says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. And they will take that scripture and say, hey, this is the time frame that the events that are going to be spoken regarding the last days are to take place. Um, Jesus clearly said in Revelations 1, 1, according to the preterist perspective, that God uh, um, gave gave him to show his servant things which must shortly take place. So in other words, what preterists do is they take those words and they believe that everything regarding to the last days were meant to be um, interpreted as something that would shortly take place, something that was soon to come to pass, something that would be fulfilled within their generation. So when Jesus said that this generation shall not pass away, um, preterists take that literally and they say uh, in Jewish thought, a generation is within 40 years. So so preterists take that position. And, and when Jesus says that this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled pertaining to the last days they take that in saying that everything that is to be accomplished must be accomplished within that first century generation within the first 40 years of uh of the time of christ from the time of jesus's death until the time uh um, of an event that took place and I'm going to explain they believe that those things must take place so when Jesus used time sensitive statements such as uh, there are some of you standing here that will not taste death until you see the son of man coming in his kingdom or when Herod asked him are you the son of God and he and he responded and said I am and you will see um, the son of God uh, riding on the clouds of glory with power um, statements um, um, such as uh uh, 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 every eye will see him, every knee shall bow, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So in other words, the people who were alive in that day that were responsible for killing Jesus would see him in that day, uh, in the day that he is glorified, in the day of his return. Um, they don't, they don't, preterists don't see the return of Jesus as this worldwide event. They see the return and judgment of Christ, him coming in judgment as not judgment upon the entire world, World, but judgment upon Jerusalem primarily, particularly upon Israel for rejecting him. And um, and that is consummated through um, what, what history revealed in 70 AD. Ultimately, it was consummated with the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. That Literally, you can look in an encyclopedia and the city of Jerusalem was set on fire and the temple in Jerusalem was burned by fire, burned down all of the Jewish artifacts, all of the historical records, um, their priestly system of sacrifices and um, and, 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 and their ceremonials. All all of those things were burnt down in 70 AD. So when preterists look at the word and they look at end time events and uh, they look at it as if Jesus was literally speaking to those people in that day, um, because one of the things that preterists accuse futurists of is removing the events of, of the last days from its, its historical context as if. Um, as if the events has absolutely nothing to do with the people that it was being written to. So preterists believe that even the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation was written to seven literal churches because they were going through literal persecution. And there were literal things that they had to be warned of, admonished of, encouraged about because the days of Jesus is coming were nigh at hand in their day in the first century. So in a nutshell, that is, um, the preterist position. All right. 
So when we look at those four views, and I'm trying to wrap this up because I'm a little over time. And honestly, if you all want me to continue on with this, send me some feedback. Let me know that you want me to continue on. Let me know what you have more questions about, and I'll try to dig deeper into it. But these four views, in essence, are the main views that shapes our eschatological worldview, our eschatological perspective. And uh, it's very important. Um, I'm going to leave with this. I'm not going to leave you with which view I believe. I'm going to leave you with this. Study out each view and come to your own conclusions. How about this? Think outside of the box of what you've been taught and go and try to look at the scriptures with a Berean spirit, meaning searching them out to find what may be true, what may be false, because each view has things um, that may be good about them. And each of them has things that may be not so good about them. But I encourage you to study out each, each view to see which conclusions you come to. Are we living in the last days? I'll leave that up to you to interpret. <laughs> All right, y'all. Listen, I love you. Thank you for tuning in to Church Talk with Isaac. And until next time, you all be blessed. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.